We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of Veterans Minimum. Joining me, my guy, the big boss man. Yo, yo, what up? And also, a I, I don't even know what the number is now. This guy's been on the show many times. Our guy, Alan Sterk, back in the building. I'm going to say eight, but you get the deal. Eight time. Eight time. <laughs> uh, I wish we would have stopped on five so you could do the five time like Booker T. I know I've said that many times, but Alan is here. Boss is here. Lamb here hosting. March Madness, fellas. It's here. We got the brackets in front of us. We're going to talk some shit for the next 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes. Who knows how long this is going to go? There we go. Alan, old school with a pen and paper. Oh, pencil, is it? Pencil, man. Those eraser marks next three days. Late decisions. It's got to be pencil because you, uh, up until Wednesday, you're making changes left and right. If I did it on paper, I'd have holes in my paper like from erasing so much. So let me just ask you guys, what's your, uh, how successful have you guys been filling out brackets over your lives? Alan, how, how, would you say how, what's like the best you've done? Have you won a bracket or? Well, last year I won North Carolina. I came, I came in second because I picked Arizona. And unfortunately, Arizona didn't spend $100,000. They waited the following year to do it. So they kind of busted there. But uh, I also won when UNC had, uh, you know, uh, Sean May, Raymond Felton that year. I also came in top five. But other than that, it's been very difficult. You have to get the the t- championship all right. Otherwise, you can't really win, even if you get the champion right. Unless it's a crazy year, like when UConn won it. Oh my God! You what about you? It's funny because Kentucky was number. They were preseason or whatever start of the season. They were number one team in the country, and that was with the Harrison brothers. And they kind of fell off, and they wound up coming in as like an eight seed, and they beat Wichita that year. And I had Kentucky in my final. I think I don't know if I had them winning at all or losing, but I had them in my final. So I was racking up points on a ton of people because they went so deep into the final. And Eric, of course, in our re- in our group had UConn and Kentucky, and UConn winning it all because he went to UConn. So that fucked me over. But I won in 2003, of course, because Syracuse won. So we, my sister was in a big group of Morgan Stanley. I filled out her bracket. So I've been doing it for a while, but mostly unsuccessful because I can. Last year I was in the I was, you know, close to winning because I had Gonzaga winning it all. So if they wouldn't have won it all, I would have won it all. But couple other people at UNC and once UNC won it was a wrap for me I mean there was one year I think that uh Missouri was getting a lot of attention they were like a two seed and they lost Ooh. in the opening round I think 40 minutes of hell. yeah and uh I think I had them in the final <laughs> so my bracket got tucked <laughs> all the way in right away 
Um, all right, let's uh, l- let's pick up with. Uh, I saw a lot of people on Twitter complaining about how the the show on ESPN was was put together today. Uh, Alan, you were t- telling me about it briefly before, but for the people that weren't aware of what the changes were, how did ESPN go about this show? And a lot of people were saying Selection Sunday got ruined. Well, I think you mean TBS, right? Uh, TBS, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Well, it went from CBS to TBS this year. Same uh, broadcasters and all that, but uh, just the formatting between you, know, you select the teams when – People already know, you know, pretty much like 56, 58 of the teams already, yet they kept announcing each team by alphabetical order. And it was just so, like, it was a waste of time. It was like, all right, we know this team's in, we know this team's in. And I just like the old format where you go region by region, build up sus- the suspense where, uh, like, say you'll go through three regions and there's one region left and they'll show like six teams on the bubble and people are just nervously waiting. Like, those are the best. And that format just got erased and this year just the suspense kind of got ruined. And I think that's a big part of selection Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I felt like I turned it on and I was like, all right, they're giving the, uh, the automatic qualifiers because of the conference tournaments. And they're just like, every name is every team is listed on the board. I can read that for myself. I don't need like Greg Gumbel to read that all. I want to see, like you said, the old, thing with the bracket the brackets and the matchups and it's like suspenseful because like you said you're waiting till the end or hoping your team pops up out of nowhere you know it's like relief relieving and stuff like that but this year when I was watching it because I'm obviously I'm a Syracuse fan I'm elated they're in but they were going on the bubble and they were uh not the bubble the at large bids and they were just yeah okay so this this and then it got to like S where Syracuse is and St. Mary's and St. Bonaventure and it went from I forgot who, but they went. They skipped like alphabetically S A, and instead of like Saint, it was S T. And I was like, oh, I thought we were like past this already, and I was all excited. And then I see Saint Bonnie's in. I'm like, Christ! Now Saint Mary's gonna pop up. We're gonna be in trouble. But I don't know. Like once it kind of killed suspense because once it went from like A to B, whatever. And like Notre Dame got passed over. It's like, oh yeah, so that just means no Notre Dame, and they kept going. And yeah, it was so lame. Louisville got passed over, and there's like, oh, yep, no Louisville. Like, there was no time to analyze or break something down or, you know, harp on a, a talking point for any amount of time. They just read the list. And I was like, dude, this could have went about it way better by just giving us region by region, matchup by matchup. I don't know. I, I thought it was horrible. I think one of my favorite <clears throat> my favorite parts of Selection Sunday is what you guys were saying about the suspense. And when they show the uh, the, the cutout of four different schools – and it's always the best when you see a school that gets in for like the first time in 30 years and their reactions. And then I always liked it when you see like the big programs sweating it out too, ones that are so used to being in the tournament. And then, you know, like a team like Syracuse, a lot of people were both surprised and very upset, not boss though, that uh, Syracuse is a team that made the tournament. Uh, l- let's, uh, let's pick up with uh, teams that didn't make it. What's a team that you think Allen is the biggest snub that, uh, should be in the tournament. I really thought USC should have got in. They got they were in the Pac-12 final. I know the Pac-12 is really weak this year. Only uh, I believe three teams got in, but still USC. I believe they won more than twenty games. Uh, one of my favorite point guards is Jordan McLaughlin. He's really good. Then you have uh, Metsu, the big forward. Like they're a really fun squad, and I think Joe Lenardi had them. Um, pretty much a lot to be in, especially after being so successful in the Pac-12 tournament. And between them and Notre Dame and Louisville, I thought those three really stood out. But USC, like, it was pretty much a consensus, like, what on earth is the committee doing? Yeah, I'm kind of like – it was funny because I was watching – you know, I was watching the, the programming, and they brought on the chair of the committee, the selection committee, and he said – because today – well, Sunday – it was a big game between uh, Rhode Island and Dayton. So, obviously, every at-large team Davidson. for Ro- Rhode Island. Oh, I'm sorry, Davidson, not Dayton. And, uh, you know, Rhode Island wound up losing by one, so that kind of crushed an at-large team. And they, the chair of the committee said that knock. they asked who that, did that knock out, and he said Notre Dame. So, I'm kind of – knowing that Syracuse would have been in regardless, I'm kind of pissed, like, we're not going to see Bonzi Colson one more time and Matt Farrell. And just that Notre Dame team that, you know, was ranked to start the year. But after that Bonzi Colson injury, they missed two months. Kind of tough for them to be put in, even though they were in. 
So uh, that's one team that I'm going to, you know, miss seeing. Like, I want to see some Bonzi Colson one more time, stuff like that. But uh, I don't know. Oklahoma <clears throat> State, too, is another team you could look at. It. They beat Kansas twice in one year. That's, like, never done ever. So, um yeah. I was I was listening to some people break down Oklahoma State saying that that was one of their biggest snubs and yo their their conference is really good too. So yeah, that's a pretty 12. tough conference and and yeah, the Big 12 and for them to have 14 losses people were saying how you know it's sure 14 losses is bad but when you're losing to top programs and in a conference that's that's competitive it's not as bad a, a, of a look. Uh Alan to pick up with your USC thing according to Vegas you know I gotta go to Vegas any chance I get. Uh, USC was minus six seventy five according to the MGM to make the tournament, so that's a pretty big snub over there. Bosses Syracuse Orangemen were plus seven seventy five to make the tournament. <laughs> oh my god, boss, you should have put some money up, yo. Why were we in Vegas today? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about Louisville being out? According to Vegas, they had them as the twenty three twenty third best team in the country. Uh, uh, Brad Powers of uh, pregame.com has them as the 23rd best team in the country, and he says that's his best team that's out. Uh, thoughts on Louisville, boss? I mean, they're all right. Their resume wasn't all that impressive. Where We beat them, Syracuse, that is, beat them on the road at in their place, and they kind of fell apart as, like, the year went on. So, I mean, I'm not – I wasn't really too upset about Louisville. Not getting in personally, I, I I was kind of fine with that omission. I think Louisville should have. I think Louisville should have gotten. But what people are gonna remember Louisville is that they had a four point lead against Virginia with one second left, and they blew it. They, think about it. They would have beat Virginia. They're locked. You beat the number one team this late in the year. No On shot the at them. No, they were home. I think. Were they? I think they were home against Virginia. Because it was like a four-point game, the crowd was devastated. So no, I, I believe they were home, but think about it. they were up four right. points, and they fell, and then they can't get the inbound, and then I think who hit the who hit the winner? Maybe it was Ty Jerome or somebody. But the fact that they blew a four-point lead with a second left that just tells a story. But they just beat uh, Florida State, so and yeah. I don't know. I thought they should have made it. It's kind of not outrageous, but I think they were good enough. What's the when you're looking at the bracket? What's the biggest misseeding, right? Let's let's dive into the bracket. Actually, you know, before we get into that, what uh, what what region are you guys looking at? That's going to be a lot of bar fights. I mean, uh, if, boss, let me. I mean, boss, yeah, you can start this yeah. one off. If you uh, you look at the the region on top, you know, it's probably the first one that catches your eyes. The South, with Virginia as the one, and they're they're the number one overall seed in the in the tournament. And I feel like they got – well, they're only going to have to play one of these teams, but Arizona and Kentucky, they're going to have to play each other if they win. And then winner of that is going to have to play Virginia just to get to the Elite Eight. So that's, a, a I think, a tough draw for Arizona, who's maybe – in my eyes, like a top five team in the country, even though they did play in a week Pac-12. Um, I don't know. They kind of got the shit into the stick there. But that's that's the reason that pops up out most to me in terms of, like, star power and power teams but uh, i think i'm most interested in the west division i mean the west region you know if if missouri can get by florida state i kind of want to see trayvon blewett versus michael porter who's projected to be a top five pick and was possibly a number one overall pick before he his injury this year with his hip um but also gonzaga's down there and i'm not gonna lie one of my favorite matchups of the first weekend is ohio state south dakota state just to see Mike Mike Dom versus uh, Keita Bates Job, who's the Big Ten Player of the Year, both big men. Uh, that's an interesting matchup. Mike Dom puts putting up like ridiculous numbers in NCAA. If you don't know who he is, you should watch that game because he might not be an NBA talent, but he is like a top notch elite college level talent. So that's one matchup that I'm like really intrigued about. Um, just looking like scanning the regions. What about you, Alan? I love the Midwest, Kansas, Duke, Michigan State. We got three, I believe, three of the five best teams in that country. Rankings may say otherwise, but to me, those three are up there. Auburn, great story with Bruce Pearl, Brandon. They have tremendous backcourt. Then Clemson, make it a little bit banked up, but they're one of the better defenses. So with those five teams, uh, it's probably going to come down to obviously Kansas, Michigan State, Duke, and then Sweet 16, Duke, Michigan State. Don't think it gets better than that. You have so much NBA talent on the floor with between you got Bagley, Bridges, 
uh, you have Wendell Carter, then you have uh, Cassius Winston, just so many good players there. So I think Midwest, even though maybe bottom is not as good, but top heavy wise, it doesn't get better than Kansas, Duke, Michigan State. I think Allen likes the Midwest because Syracuse is in there too. Uh, they have to win on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you look at Seton Hall. Yeah, Seton Hall word. Um, you're looking at uh, Arizona, a lot of people are saying they're the biggest misseeding in the entire bracket. Um, once again, going to Vegas, they are the fifth favorite to win the national championship, and they're a four seed. Uh, they do have a rough draw. That's the one thing that jumped out to me right away because. I know, I know it might sound terrible, but I look past those opening rounds. I look, like, further down the road and try to – I mean, that's what we all do when we fill out our brackets. But, yo, Kentucky and Arizona in round two, I mean, they, Kentucky just won the SEC again, I believe, for the fourth year in a row of the, the tournament. So that's going to be a bar fight, yo. You're looking at that, – that, that could be a potential Elite Eight Final Four matchup you're getting in the opening weekend. Yeah, for sure. I'll um, ESPN and they had Cal Perry on on like satellite, and uh, he was doing like a ton of crying because he got like the way they got seated. He's like, I got so many texts, like I didn't know you you can say you got screwed in so many ways though in the amount of texts I got. But uh, he was like, Yeah, you know, uh, we played Saturday. Oh, we're playing Sunday in the SEC championship. So you think the committee would do us a favor and put us Friday, you know, somewhere close? He's like, We're in Boise. You know how many players on my team know where Boise, what state Boise's in? He's like, I'd rather not say what the percentages of yes and no the answer was, but he was just doing a whole lot of crying because they're playing far away and they're playing on the Thursday. Um, I don't know, I found that interesting, but I like Arizona to beat them if that does happen. Nick Nolufer, UB? Buffalo's playing Arizona round one. I mean, yeah, but, you know, I'm I'm thinking of making an investment in the Wildcats, though, because I like, yo, I like the storyline, right? Like, you got this thing that went down with Sean Miller and Aiton, right? I'm sure they're going to play that, uh, you know, prove them wrong card kind of thing. They do have a talented team. Uh, I can't wait to see them sweating on the sidelines. That's always a, a nice thing with, with uh, Sean Miller there. But, um Alan, who's a, who's a team that you're looking at the bracket that you think is mis, um, has been misseeded? Or seeded too high, too. Well, I think Michigan State should be seeded higher. They only lost four games all year. I know Big Ten, not very good this year. Only four out of the 12 teams made the tournament. But Michigan State only lost four games. You just look at the roster between Bridges, Winston, Jared Jackson, Langford. They just have so much talent. And with Tom Mizzo there, and, you know, they did win the Big Ten the regular season title. They kind of fumbled against Michigan in the semis in the tournament. But to me, Michigan State, their top five caliber team. I was a little shocked they got the two seed. But I think part of that's because UNC went on such a late season run, kind of bumped them out there. But in terms of being overseeded, I don't know. No one really comes to mind. I'm not a big believer in Cincinnati, but they do deserve what they've done this uh, they deserve all the recognition given that they won the AAC and you know I think they've only lost like five games but since he not a team I'm exactly picturing as a final four contender what about you boss um I don't know I don't really have a problem with any of the seeds to be honest um I like all the eight and nine matchups those are always you know some of my favorites to watch the first day um yeah I mean I don't really have a gripe with really, like I said, any of the seedings that, that the way it played out. Alan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw you tweet earlier today about Xavier being a one seed. You thought yeah. that that was kind of yeah. a head scratcher? How, why so? I kind of expect them to be a one, given that they won the Big East earlier season title, but I just think talent-wise, they're not quite there. They don't really have any uh, – Post players, they don't have any uh, shot blockers. They're just defensively, they're kind of fragile. Like offensively, they could shoot lights at the ball. But uh, I just, uh, Big East, we know not as good as it once was, even though the conference did receive somewhat of a resurgence here. But I just, talent wise, I don't really like Xavier, but I do understand why they've only lost four games this year, why they're a number one seed. But I think if you look at one seed, it could get bounced early. They're the easy pick. I don't know. It's crazy because uh, I was, uh, like preseason, they were one of my final four picks. I like Xavier this year. I like Trayvon Blewett, and they got like experience, which is always what I look for when I'm filling out my bracket. I look for like seniors and you know, old experienced guards per se. 
And I like what they have. They have JP Makura, who I really can't stand, but he's you know he's a good shooter, good scorer. Poor man's Grayson Allen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Trayvon Blewett, and they also have a little Cantor who transferred. There's a grad transfer. Uh, Evans Cantor's little brother, so he's all right. You know, he could ball too. Comes off the bench for them, I think, but he's solid for what he is. And I don't know. Like, I I like Xavier. I, I'd have to like examine the bracket some more. You know, it's gonna come down to Wednesday as it always does, or Thursday at eleven fifty nine. But they're one of my teams that I kind of like to go deep. The just to run off some of the uh, the favorites to win are Villanova at five to one, Duke at six to one, Virginia six to one, Michigan State eight to one, and then Michigan at ten to one. How do you guys feel about Michigan? Because I see them. In that region, in the West region right now, you know, in the very, very early uh, predictions for a Final Four, I'm kind of looking at Michigan coming out of the West. I'm not really buying Xavier because I defer to Allen on this one. If Allen has uh, questions about Xavier, then the Lamb has questions about Xavier. (laughs) Uh, But what do you guys think about Michigan? Because I always like to use the odds to, like, find value in picking teams and shit. So what do you guys think? What do you think about that, Allen? They always overachieve Michigan. You got to give uh, a coach and just the program respect. Uh, last year, beat Louisville when they were seven seeds, seven beat the two. Then they pushed Oregon, that great Oregon team, to the limit. And you saw what they did in the Big Ten tournament, beat Michigan State, Purdue, back-to-back. Just They just managed to overachieve every year despite not having the greatest talent. I do love their big man, uh, Mo Wagner, uh, Germany's finest, little Porzingis hit him, big man that could shoot. And they have really good guards. A uh, big fan of Xavier Simpson and uh, Abdul Rahman, if, if I'm pronouncing his name properly. But uh, they're very good defensively, just don't have a lot of depth. But I think Vegas is kind of riding that Big Ten wave, which I'm not sure is a great idea given that they're going to have extended time off. That's kind of another under-the-radar storyline that you know Big Ten, they've had over a week off, even though there's only four of them in it. You know, you look at the two Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, Ohio State. I think Ohio State's the only team that could get affected by it, given that you know Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan got pretty much easy draws the first game. But, uh, but yeah, in terms of Michigan, I think people are kind of riding that wave a little too much. They're probably going to lose the UNC Sweet 16. Yeah, they they won back to back Big Ten tournaments when they were in seeded. You know, I think they were the fourth seed this year, so they made a couple good runs. And John Beeline, yeah, does a hell of a job. Like over there, he's probably one of the best coaches in the country. Might be a Hall of Famer mm, in the next coming years or so. Um, yeah, Michigan's solid. I mean, I, I'm I'm not myself. I'm never like too high on them, but I never am. And they always seem to like like Alan said, overachieve. They somehow find themselves either making a run in the Big Ten tournament deep or, you know, in the NCAAs deep. Uh, I I mean, it's tough. I like A&M down there, too, that, like, we haven't touched on. A&M and Providence is a great matchup opening weekend. Um, they're going to have to get by one of the – possibly one of them if, if, if one of them can get by Carolina. And I think Houston, too, is a, is a good test round, too. Houston – I like Rob Gray over there in the American. Stud. The least talked about teams are Rob Gray could fill it up with anyone. So uh, that would be a good matchup. I also like SDSU, but that's just my bias. Malik Pope and Trey Kell, they're seniors now. So they had a they got in that large. They stole a bid. Nevada was supposed to win the Mountain West. Um, but SDSU got by them pretty handily by like a 30 spot and then beat New Mexico in the finals of the Mountain West. So they're not a team to sleep on either. Like they had a, a down year, but they're no slouch. And I don't know. I, I think Michigan has a tougher road than some expect. Maybe even the odds makers having them up so high. Would you say, Nick, it was the fifth uh, highest odds? Yeah, they're they're uh, they're the fifth one. Yeah, that's a – yeah, that's a – surprised by that. Um, but, I mean, they're really good. So, I mean, I, I, I could see them going deep, and I could also see them going out early as, you know, as as weak of an analysis as that is. I really think they're, they're bottom of the region is tough to even get to the Elite Eight. Let's uh let's pivot on over to a team that you think can make a deep run. Who's a team that could get maybe to the final four or an elite eight that, you know, might not be, you know, basically Cinderella, long story short. Uh Alan, what's one team that jumps off the, the screen to you as you look at your bracket or as you hold your piece of paper as you look at that? <laughs> I'm trying to think of Cinderella's because I can't. You can't quote Gonzaga Cinderella. That's just ridiculous. They were just in the championship last year. But I really do think Gonzaga could make a big run. I think the region favors them playing Xavier. They just beat Xavier last year, lead eight. 
quite handedly. And then they could play someone like a UNC or a Michigan. So I think things are really saying up well for Michigan, but uh, excuse me, Gonzaga. But in terms of Cinderella's, maybe Texas Tech, which I know falls under the radar, given that they don't have any real NBA talent, but uh, one of the best defensive teams in the country, nearly uh, top Kansas in the Big 12 standings, which is almost impossible given how good Kansas is. Last, I believe, 13 years they've won the Big 12. But uh, Texas Tech, yeah, very good defensively. Keen Evans does his thing. They got two really athletic wings in uh, Zaire Smith and Jared Culver. You know, they're 6'5", but their wingspans are just ridiculous. Uh, they do they can struggle offensively, but I think if you want to ride a really good defensive team, Texas Tech is there. And they kind of got somewhat of a favorable region. Uh, you could play Florida, then maybe Purdue. So I think things are very winnable until they have to play Nova. But as we all know, if, if any – program is uh, known for underachieving in March. It's Villanova. But they did win it all last year. Two years ago. If you look at everything else with Villanova, it's like round of 32, round of 32, round of 32, Sweet 16. Like Wisconsin last year was just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, Villanova's had success of late, though, with the Jalen Brunson type era his last few years. Hey, I, look, I love Villanova this year, but I'm saying the history's there. Then Kansas and Arizona are three teams you just – I'm always cautious about. <laughs> uh, I think Nevada might be able to make a, a possible <laughs> – Yo, Nevada's, Nevada is a sleeper, I'm telling you. They got uh, the Martin twins from NC State that transferred out there. Oh, that's right, yeah. And uh, Eric Musselman is, like, a good coach. They, had, they were in there last year with Cameron Oliver, who – since left, you know, for pro career, but Nevada of late has been a good program. They have a tough matchup with Mo Bamba in Texas first round, but um, I don't know. I'm skeptical about Cincy. They're a gritty, like, tough defensive team, Mick Cronin, but I think if there was one team, it's tough for me to look at right now, but off the top, like, when selections, once I saw the bracket originally, I thought possibly Nevada. I know that region on top is very tough. You know, like I said, with Virginia up there and in Kentucky and Arizona, but um, I think they could possibly make an elite run, elite eight run if the cards, you know, fall right for them. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go with Nevada. I just want to make a quick uh, shout out to Missouri, given that I think they're going to be the team that probably faced Xavier in the second round. And like I mentioned before, Xavier, weakest number one seed. Uh, Xavier and AC, again, Porter back. Uh, they have a bunch of good forwards, although I think their second lead score just got arrested for DWI, so that's a little bit of a concern. But other than that, I kind of dig Missouri, uh, given that the SEC was ridiculously good this year, and they fought all year without their best player, and they made it here. So uh, if you want to look at Cinderella, they beat Xavier, then – maybe play Gonzaga Sweet 16. From then on, anything's possible. So if you're looking for – I know I mentioned before Gonzaga, Texas Tech, those aren't really Cinderella's. If you want to look at a Cinderella, you know, Nevada, like you mentioned, Boston, maybe Missouri for me. I think with uh, with Missouri, I just, I just wonder if Michael Porter has gotten enough, you know, minutes under him coming back from injury. Yeah, I think the week, though, like this, they were talking about that because he only had a few practices before his SEC debut. His tournament debut, which he, you know, he played sparingly in. I think he only had like 20 or so minutes, but uh, he gets another full week of practice under his belt. Um, I think that's just obviously good for anyone involved with Missouri. So I kind of expect more of him this time around. Like I said, my dream matchup for round two is I want to see him go one on one with Trayvon Blewett. I think that'll be one of the best head to head matchups in the tournament. So, uh, yeah, I, I like Missouri. Florida State, though, is also no easy out. So that's another. You know, I shouldn't be looking past them. Super consistent. Yeah. So I want to ask you guys a question. For people that are not the biggest uh, college basketball fans, and some of these guys, they might not know their names, but, you know, in the past couple of years, we've seen some players go on these crazy runs in March uh, from their conference tournament all the way up until the, you know, some have even won the championship, i.e. Kemba Walker. But uh, recently, we had Buddy Heald make it to the Final Four, and his draft his draft stock just skyrocketed. So my question to you guys, and I'll start it off with Alan first: Who's a player in the tournament that's on a team that you think can make a run, and his stock is going to increase come June? I know Kentucky is known for their guards. You look at the past drafts between John Wall, Devin Booker, etc. I love me some Shea Gilgis Alexander. I think 
people aren't talking about him enough. I know it sounds crazy. People aren't talking about Kentucky's best player, but they aren't. Uh, I think he's from Canada. He's like six foot six. He's a point guard, crazy handles, big time playmaker. He just always makes the right decisions. And the fact that he's leading the way for a team coached by Calipari, you never doubt Calipari. Calipari always gets results. And uh, you look at their region, uh, playing Arizona, most likely winnable game. I think Calipari versus Sean Miller, I really would put my stock in to Calipari. And then they play Virginia, who, you know, Virginia is ranked number one in the country. They're vulnerable, given that they aren't a high-scoring team. So to me, Gilgis Alexander, he never leaves the court, always makes good decisions. I think he's somebody that can take over the tournament, lead Kentucky to a Final Four, and really put himself up there, if not a lottery pick, at least top 20. I feel like I'm going to go a little, like, off the board. Who's probably not, This guy's probably not even on draft boards, but Someone who could make himself a name if they make a run would be E.C. Matthews on Rhode Island. He's one of the best guards in the country. He's a senior, and he's had some, like, knee injuries, some serious knee injuries the last couple of years. But uh, they open up first game of the tournament. Me and Alan, oh, Alan mentioned this earlier with Oklahoma and Trey Young. So he's going to get, like, the national exposure right away, given Trey Young is probably going to be who he's guarding. So, uh, yeah, they draw Duke second round. So I think it's, like, a big chance for E.C. Matthews to put his name you know, on draft boards uh, this this first opening weekend. Because, like I said, you're going against Duke, who has all NBA talent everywhere you look. Even at the guard position, they're five-star recruits like Trayvon Duvall, even though, he, you know, he's had kind of a down year. But, um, yeah, I just think Rhode Island, if they could make a run, E.C. Matthews would be someone's name that you may see popping up early second round or maybe late first round if all goes well for him. He's not just going to get national exposure. He's going to get exposure to the hoop because, as we all know, Oklahoma plays zero defense. <laughs> yeah. God, they're terrible. Can I ask you guys a question? What happened to Trey Young? Because I remember when we went to uh, when we went to UFC 220, boss, and we were in Boston. We were watching that Oklahoma game, and I think that was at the beginning of their losing streak. But this dude, like, one, it's as if once the spotlight shined too bright on him. He wasn't the same player. So, boss, what do you think happened to Trey Young? I don't know. They, I mean, as a whole, like Alan said, they don't really play defense, and they're honestly like really not that good. I know it's easy to say, but you take Trey Young off that team, they're bottom, I think, of the Big Twelve. Um, there, I just, I just, I don't know. His shooting numbers across the board have dropped. They've lost twelve of eighteen to end the year, so it's been a rough go. I think as his team, you know, progressively started losing. Obviously, his numbers took a hit and they weren't winning because he wasn't performing. So it's tough for him. He's he's really maybe you could say he's the only option on that Oklahoma offense and everything goes through him. So, you know, it's easy to game not easy to game plan against, but you can draw up a strong game plan to be like, all right, we're gonna have everyone else beat us but Trey Young and 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 he's seeing more double teams and, you know, help off the ball. So I don't know. It, it, it's tough. You know, he's he's a really good player still. Like, I still have him in the lottery. I think he'll be a good – have a good NBA career. But his numbers have definitely taken a hit over the last, you know, two months or so. And thus, Oklahoma's fallen down the Big 12. I think it's just a lack of supporting cast. You look at Oklahoma last year, the last in the Big 12. Now they get Trey Young this year back in the spotlight. But they really don't have any number two, number three score. They're just a bunch of – average players, decent big men. And I think quickly you look at guys like Bob Huggins and Bill Self, they could easily get Shaka Smart, another great uh, Big 12 coach. Like Big 12 has so many good coaches, and it's pretty easy to understand why uh, you could game plan for Trey Young and make him take 20 jump shots. I think because like his shooting percentage has been like in the 20s at times this year. So I don't think it's a huge shock, but I don't, it's not Trey Young. I think his supporting cast has done a poor job giving him help. Yo, you guys might know the answer to this, but do you think that some – because I'm looking at Oklahoma, right? They were 18 and 13 this year, and Oklahoma State was 19 and 14. So, like, could it could it be that because of the uh, the star power of Trey Young, Oklahoma got into the tournament? So, like, what I'm trying to say is, is there ever situations where the tournament has a bias towards maybe getting a high rating for a network or putting in – the popular player or a team when they don't deserve to be? Alan, what do you think about that? I think it varies. Like, remember, LSU didn't make it a few years ago, and they had Ben Simmons, so that's, that's one true. thing. But, uh, also, let's 
let's remember Oklahoma was a top 10 team at one point this year. Like they were actually really good in Big 12, like I mentioned for a really good conference. And hey, they beat Kansas earlier in the year, which is a huge statement when at the time. So uh, maybe there's a little bias, but Oklahoma, I think they did just enough. Maybe I would like to see them play a playing game rather than get just a forward or bid right or seed right in. But uh, I don't, I, maybe there's a little bias, but I don't think it just completely on that Oklahoma, they did prove a lot like I think at one point they were ranked fourth in the country yeah so is Arizona State who uh also Arizona State hey. number three in the country and then they just like fell off a cliff but uh I'm not Oklahoma had some good wins though they beat USC when they were ranked early on in the in the season and um I don't know they have a ton of good wins they beat Texas Tech when they were a top 10 team in the country they beat Kansas when they were ranked Kansas I think did they beat? Oh, they beat them at home, Kansas. Yeah. So I mean, they have some like really good wins. They beat Wichita State when they were number three in the country early on. So their resume is like impressive from the early part of the season, and then, like I said, as the season went on, Trey Young became a thing, and and teams were just game planning against them. It kind of their play suffered. Like they lost six in a row at one point. So even to, like the likes of Iowa State who finished in the basement of the Big Twelve. So, was, I mean, it was a rough finish to the season, but, you know, it's March, so anything could happen now. I'm not, like, counting them out or anything by any stretch. And who knows, Trey Young could turn it up one or two times, especially if he sees Duke in front of him, you know? So, you never yeah. know what could happen. Last question before we give our uh, final four picks. Um, how much weight do you guys give the the coaches and the coaching matchups? Like, how much does coaching matter when it comes down to the NCAA tournament? Uh, boss, what do you think? I'm not like really big. Like when I'm filling out my bracket, I don't particularly. I mean, I I guess I coaching is like one of the last factors I consider. I'm always looking at guard play, experience in terms of like seniors and juniors, and you know how if they're big contributors to the team and uh, stuff like that. I mean, I look at coaches a little bit, but I'm always looking for experience and guard. So I don't really, you know, put too much weight in that. I do to some extent. Uh, I also look at uh, just size. I think size is such a big thing because you see teams that their biggest players six foot seven, six foot eight, and you go and get away with that for so long. Remember, you got to win six games to win the whole tournament, and at some point, you're going to play a team that has two six foot ten, six foot eleven players, and they could get on you. But in terms of coaching, I, I still value it a lot. There's coaches I believe get the most out of talent. Like I'm very pinpointing Calipari against uh, Sean Miller. I just think that's a huge mismatch. We've seen. Sean Miller underachieve in the past and given what's been going on with the program uh, they could talk about or motivate all we want but Arizona really hasn't played anyone in the big uh, Pac-12 excuse me and now they're going to be playing some of the best teams in the country so we'll see what they got but now I still think you should value coaching and also matchups I think you just have to look at how these teams mix up and how their styles are going to clash Yo, I'm telling you now, if Kentucky plays Arizona, the internet's going to have a field day with all these things going on with, like, players getting paid and shit or being accused. Having Calipari and Sean Miller just over there, I could see the memes coming already. Yeah, Calipari was known for it with uh, his 30 for 30, which, like, even going back to Marcus Canby, (laughs) he's definitely been, like, a controversial figure in terms of, like, players getting played and stuff like that. Can you imagine if Davidson beats Kentucky and, like, all this conversation was for nothing? Like, that would be such a bummer. That would be, yeah. I mean, hey, you never know, right? That's a that's a 5-12 matchup. That's one of my favorite upsets to pick. I feel like every time I do a bracket, I pick at least one 5-12 matchup. And, obviously, I take the 12 seed. I just got to find which one that's going to be this year. Um, a few right. good ones. Let's get into let's get into what people want to hear. Uh, final four picks. Um, I know it's very early. We're doing this Sunday night. It's around ten thirty Eastern time, um, and I know that you guys are probably going to change your picks come time yeah. to submit your final bracket. So with that, uh, Alan, who do you got? We'll go region by region, right? So who do you got coming out of the South? <sighs> 
I'm gonna leave Virginia. I know it sounds weird going against all the lottery talent, but I'm gonna believe Tony Bennett finally does it. Best defense in the country, best team at creating space, best team at setting ball screen. I mean, you look at Virginia, they set screens so well. And given their shooters like some guy, Jerome, Paul, I think they're gonna do just enough defensively to get there. Virginia and Final Four in the same sentence is a a weird, eerie combination. But uh, Who you got boss? I'm probably uh, – this is one of the tougher regions for me because I feel like it's very balanced, but I'm going to go Arizona. I think I'm going to go with Arizona also. Uh, I, I like Arizona. I'm I'm buying into the, uh, you know, them playing with a chip on their shoulder for all the stuff that's going down. And, you know, this is a, a team that I think has been underseeded. So I'm going with Arizona coming out of the south. Uh, uh Turn with Zona is just point guard play, but I think like they have so many other guards and and much more talent like Raleigh Alkins and Alonzo Trier off ball to like cover that up. And they got the best player in the country. Like we know, yeah, Aiton's a monster. Yeah, Aiton's yeah. just he could crush anybody. Like that's just such a big factor. I gotta I gotta ask since you mentioned uh, mentioned that, Allen, if you're on the clock, you got the number one pick. Are you taking Aiton or are you taking your boy over in uh, Spain, Luca? <laughs> he's actually Slovakian, so I don't know if he's technically oh, yeah? my boy. Yeah, oh, but he, wow. uh, I could have sworn he was Croatian. My bad. But uh, no, he. Uh, I'm digging the story, and it's cool to see your Euro get shine like that. But now I'm gonna go Aiden, and I think what's good with Arizona, if you want to look at it from them, is just last year they had Laurie Markkinen, and they just did not know how to use it properly. I think Sean Lowe's realized, okay, I have a gifted big man. I'm just gonna use him as much as possible. So I think if you're gonna pick Arizona, that's one thing that you should be pleased about is that he really knows how to use Aiden while well, last year Mark and there was times where he wasn't getting the ball in crunch time. Let's go over to the West region. Uh boss, you can start this one off. Who you got coming out the West? Uh I'm sticking to my guns, Xavier. I had them, you know, all season and I I don't know, I think they could pull it out. Um I'm kinda worried about the bottom more than anything up top. Like, Missouri obviously is going to present a good test. Like I said, with Porter, the Porter boys, Jonte Porter, too, is having a good year. And, like, Ohio State maybe. Gonzaga, too. I like Gonzaga up there. But um, I don't know. Someone from the bottom, I think A&M could possibly give Xavier problems if they get there, or North Carolina, obviously. But um, I don't know. If if it does happen to be Xavier, North Carolina, I kind of like that matchup. For Xavier, like I said, they both have experience. Obviously, Theo Pinson and Joel Berry are two of the most experienced players in the country, so they're tough to pick against. But I'm going to ride with Xavier in the West. What about you, Alan? So I usually do two brackets, and this is one I'm definitely going to split on because I think this is the toughest region to pick. I'm leaning North Carolina just for experience, and they could shoot lights. I was talking not just Barry, but uh, Kenny Williams and uh, Cam Johnson, they could shoot. And then Luke May, kind of like poor man's Tyler Hansborough over there. So I do like them, but I think Gonzaga could really push them. They're the one team could threaten. So those are two I'm kind of torn on, but I'm going to lead North Carolina off. Barry May and then Theo Pinson, like you mentioned before, just he wants to talk about a guy that could do it all. He could do. He was just phenomenal in the ACC tournament. He's someone to keep an eye out. Yeah, I was gonna mention his name when you were rattling off the names of UNC players because a couple of games that I watched of him this year, I feel like he always stands out. And he's just, he's very like, I don't know who to compare him to, but he's very safe. Like he, you know, where you're gonna get out of him night to night. And I like his game because he does a little bit of everything. Um, I. I feel like I'm going to go with UNC here also. We've got the experience. I like that they have a, a guard that has been there and done that in Barry. And, um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna roll with UNC coming out of the West. Uh, let's go over to the East. East region, Villanova is the one seed there. Uh, boss, are you going with the one seed or are you going somewhere else? I think I'm Alina Purdue here coming out. I love Carson Edwards. They got guard play. I don't, I don't look at guard play. Carson Edwards and Vince Edwards. And then they have Dakota Mathias filling it up from outside, the shooter. You always need a token shooter. And, of course, my guy, Isaac Haas. How could, like, I'm not going to leave him out. Um, he's one of the most, if not, you know, probably behind Aiton, one of the most dominant, if not, like, second, I think, most dominant big in the country. So, yeah, I kind of like Purdue here coming out from the bottom. What about you, Alan? Well, let's not forget about Bagley, boss, when it comes to big men. True that, but yeah, all right, I'll give you Bagley, too. Yeah. 
But oh, this Not is in easy. Terms of pro oh. potential, just like in terms of the college like play. I gotcha. is up there. Uh, easy Nova best backcourt. Uh, I think they're loaded. They actually have big men, which they haven't had in the past. And Pascal and uh, Spellman, uh, best shooting team, very efficient. Like you look at the percentages, guys like Brunson and Bridges, they're shooting over fifty percent. They're guards. Like it's just ridiculous what they're doing, and I think they're gonna breeze through it. Watch me, watch them just completely crumble after this. But I'm gonna put my faith in Jay Wright, and yeah, I think this this should be pretty comfortable for them. Although West Virginia, that's gonna be could be an interesting Sweet 16 battle. It's funny that he picked Villanova after he just slandered them before. Yeah, about, you, know, you know, they haven't really won anything. <laughs> hey, two years ago, and I think the roster this year is just so good with Brunson, uh, DiVincenzo's another guy, uh, Bridges. They got Phil Booth back. Like, I mean, their backcourt, they could play for days. I was going to say, if you talked about Buddy Heald earlier, Mikael Bridges, like that player who was, you know, kind of, nowhere near draft boards his freshman sophomore year and his breakout junior year you know as an older player he's like almost right there in, in the middle of the lottery so he's, he's shooting 53 percent can you believe that 53 percent he shoots and he's a guard like unreal i think i'm gonna go with villanova also the one seed um alan pretty much hit the nail on the head there boss is shaking his head as uh as i make that <laughs> selection I'm going to lead off with my pick coming out of the Midwest so that you guys don't think I'm just feeding off what you guys are telling me. I'm going with Michigan State. I think Vegas Vegas has them as the fifth favorite to come out along with Michigan. Uh, Odds-wise, they got a guy in Miles Bridges who is a potential top five lottery pick, and they got the head coach. And I, I, I love Dan Tony. And um, right? That's it. No. Tom Izzo. Tom, Tom Izzo. <laughs> D'Antoni is the D'Antonio the is the, coach. the football coach, oh, a <laughs> legend. Whatever, same school, close enough. But yeah, I, I like I like his experience too. I like the factor in uh, coaches that have been there and done that, and they got a guy that they can go to in crunch time. So I'm gonna go with Michigan State coming out of the Midwest. Uh, Allen, who who you got coming out the Midwest? This is another one where I'm kind of splitting up, but I'm going to lean Michigan State over Duke just for depth purposes. Kansas, I know they're one seed, but not much of a bench, and other than Azubuki, they really don't have any big men up front. And I do get a little worried about jump shooting teams in the tournament when uh, they could get – like, I know Villanova's a jump shooting team, but they're just – you look at the percentages, like, I have faith in them. Kansas, they're very streaky. You look at guys like Devontae Graham, Malik Newman, LeGerald Victor, they are very streaky shooters, and I think eventually they could crack. So I think it comes down to Michigan State and Duke, and I'm going to leave Michigan State and – Lamba, you're gonna like this one. I know one of your big beliefs in college best was every championship team needs a white shooter. Matt McQuaid, boss, this guy is the <laughs> white shooter of the ages. He always connects. So if uh, you're looking for that key shooter, Matt McQuaid, he's gonna deliver. You know, we couldn't get through a college basketball episode with not mentioning the random white dude in the corner that uh, just hits threes. You know, every team needs one, man. I'm telling you, you need that that random guy. Remember Spike Albright a couple years ago in Michigan? <laughs> yeah, I remember I had them in the bracket, and actually uh, the piece of shit that I am, I made an investment on Michigan to win the whole thing. And uh, that one that one first half that they played, uh, I believe it was to Louisville. He hit like – he was six for six from three. Kate Upton uh, even tweeted him and shit. I think it was Syracuse, my friend, in the Final Four. Oh, damn. Well, I'm sorry. You would, <laughs> you would remember that too. You would remember that. Speaking of Syracuse, yeah, I got them coming out the Midwest. Uh, I'm not a pick or anything, but uh, nah, nah, I don't got Syracuse. I, don't, I hope they do. I know zone gives uh, teams trouble and short time to prepare for it. But um, I kind of, I guess, yeah, clean sweep. I'm going Michigan State. I don't think Duke plays enough defense um, and the weaponry that Michigan State comes with. To about uh, Bridges, Jaron Jackson, too, is a top five pick, and he's – He's fun to watch. Like if, if you haven't seen Michigan State this year, watch Jaron Jackson. He's a like a six foot ten big man who can put it on the deck and he can shoot it. His stroke's a little ugly, but he knocks it down. He gets the job done. Um, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued by Kansas too. I like Malik, Malik Newman, Devontae Graham, and them. And uh, you know, I, I want to see them play Seton Hall. I hope I, I got a thing for Seton Hall's uh, senior class, like Desi Rodriguez and Angel Delgado's. One of the best – we're talking about big men. I, feel, I left him out. I'm kind of upset about that. He's one of the best big men in the country. Um, yeah, I think Michigan State. Clemson kind of 
took a hit with uh, you know, one of their best players going out, Grantham. He was second in the team scoring, Devontae Grantham. He was having 14 a game. So, I don't know. I kind of – I think Michigan State will get it done here. Damn, is that a clean sweep across the board, Michigan State? Yeah, I'm surprised Nova wasn't clean sweep. Boss had to go out there at Purdue. Didn't see that coming. Got Purdue, baby. So there you have it, guys. NCAA 2018. Year two of us doing this. Uh, I don't know if this is a tradition, but I hope to be doing this uh, special episode from here on out. Uh, Alan, thank you for joining us once again. Are we going to get they... winners? Oh, yeah, wait, what are we... Shit. Wow. And I have that <laughs> written down in front of me. Legend. All right, winners. Who's we winning the whole thing? Who am I going to put money on? that I have no idea about because I do it every year. So, boss, who's winning the national championship? I'm going to go with Zona. I think they're going to stick it to the NCAA. And, uh, you know, they already announced Aiton is obviously leaving. They did, like, a little special thing for them on senior night. Uh, Aiton Rolly Alkins, who's a Queens uh, – New York New York City product, by the way, Christ the King. And uh, Alonzo Trier, who's going to leave too, so – this might be Sean Miller's last run. We don't know what was going on over there, but they're going to stick it to the NCAA one last time and, and take it down in San Antonio. I'm just hoping Arizona makes it to a Final Four. Uh, every year you hear they're going to make the Final Four and they don't do it. Just, I don't know. But uh, who you got in beating? Um, I'll go Michigan State. Okay. Well, I'm going Michigan State or Virginia. A little bit of a weird final, but uh, – I couldn't pick UNC to go all the way. Like, so I got Virginia beating UNC, and then I got Michigan State beating Nova. But, yeah, I think Michigan State's loaded. Watch out for Cassius Winston. I think people aren't talking about him enough. One of the uh, most productive point guards in the country. Uh, he's somebody that could contribute all across the score. He's kind of like a smaller version of Theo Pinson where you could always rely on him to make big plays. I'm going Arizona, Michigan State. I think I'm going to make some uh... – phone calls to make some investments also boss let me down we were thinking of doing a vegas trip for next weekend because i've heard that for the super bowl weekend and for the opening round of the ncaa tournament vegas is nothing less than a cowboy rager <laughs> uh alan now now can i move on boss are we good to close it i think we covered it i think Boom. we covered it too i think we crushed it also alan thank you for joining us where can they find you if they want to contact you Alan underscore Stirk, that's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. Uh, boss, where can they find you? At Endovito27 on Twitter and the gram. LanVM10 on all social media. Joe is not in today, obviously, if you've listened up until this part. At <laughs> Joe Sanagato. Uh, Tim is not here, obviously, as well. Uh, at Tim Patrop on social media. Impy also at, at I-M-P-Y two underscores. You already know. The Facebook is Veterans Minimum. The Twitter handle is Veterans Minimum. Veterans underscore minimum on Instagram. Enjoy March Madness and enjoy the NCAA tournament. And good luck. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.